Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, we're in our series, The Calvary Road, and we're in part three. I hope you've had a, uh, a chance to check out the other two if you've not made those. But when we put series together, the part of the reason there is uh, because of being such a big topic, such a, a large focus that we break it up each Sunday so that we have a chance to kind of take it in bite-sized pieces. So we're on a pathway. I ask you to come along with me. This pathway to becoming a fruitful Christian, being able to grow, grow in the ways of God. And so the first two, we're taking these steps toward the cross because we're heading toward Christ. Not only is that, that the video that you just saw such a true word that Jesus Christ, he's the way, the truth, and the life. There are some decisions we have to make along the line. There is some work that is done in our heart as we go. And it's, it's important that we recognize what soul change, what decisions we have to make on the inside in order to continue down this road. It is, it is, a fault, a fault, it is faulty thinking to think the moment we've given our life to Christ that he just takes over and he just does it. And we really don't have to do anything. But basically, I've got my fire insurance, as they say. I've got my future worked out. It's all, my name is in the book of life, therefore I don't have to worry or think about anything. No, no, no. There's, there's a pathway. There's a work. There's, there is a purpose for your life. And it has begun the moment you give, it began the moment you gave your life to Jesus. And so we're on this path what we've done the last couple. So we started with brokenness. Then last week we talked about submission. And so brokenness is us coming to the realization that we really, really, really desperately need God. And for those who are God seekers, we run into that very quickly. Share a little bit about my testimony and how initially the, 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 the sense of, of you just read through the Bible, well, got it, move on. You don't realize how much more work needs to be done in us it took 40 years to get the Egypt out of the Egyptians. It only took one day to get them out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And so much is true about our own lives is that to get the world out of us, it takes the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and cooperation with that work. So on this path, we're moving toward him, moving toward understanding and ultimately servanthood to be available to God, for him to use us in this life. To store up treasures that are eternal. So in number 6, 8, it says, All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. It's talking about the Nazarite vow. Talking about that we, how we got pictures, snapshots of the, of, of the Lord's heart in the Old Testament. So how do we get to this point? This next step is separation. And I want to explain just really what this is. First of all, you know, we're taking this book from The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian, a book written back in the 50s. One just a small paperback book. Some of you have ordered that. It is what I would consider a, a must-have in every Christian's library. It's, it's such a simple message, but it's a preparatory message to help us, again, to move forward into what God has for us. And so this next step is separation. What does that mean? Being set aside for God. And I think so many times Christians, they, they don't take that first step. And that, was, that is so very, very important that we understand that we're supposed to be set aside, okay? We're supposed to be 
uh, when we're sanctified, we're literally being set aside for the purposes of God. And yet sometimes we hold on to our, our old life. We hold on to our own plans, our own ideas. But it's the, the heart of God is to remake us, to make us that new creation, to make us something useful for the glory of God and for us to store up treasures in eternal places, not here. And so how do we get there? How do we become separated unto God? So we're going to take just three points here to explain this, to help you. Number one, the preparation. It takes some preparation. The first two steps we've already talked about, brokenness and submission. Last week we talked about how being submitted to God is so incredibly important, that our will is broken, that we surrender our will. Jesus taught us to pray this, not as an incantation, but as a purposeful prayer about ourselves in preparation. <clears throat> Submitting is saying, thy will be done, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Not my way, not my will, but your will be done. And that's not just skin deep. That is into the very depths of our dreams, hopes, of our understanding of our past, what we're doing right now, and what we hope to do in the future encompasses it all. So we have to take those first two steps in order to be prepared. And then we need to deal, uh, we need to deal with this idea of recognition, okay? This is a very important part of being prepared for servanthood, is being separated unto God, is we're having to move away from this real heart. Uh, it's a battle on the inside for that desire for recognition, for it to be about us. And if you coddle it, that need for recognition, it grows inside us. If we crucify it, it grows in heaven. Okay, if we coddle it, it begins to grow inside us and we become more and more self-focused. And that's going in the wrong direction. We think we're on the pathway towards the cross and there are counterfeits. But how we recognize ultimately whether we're really on that road is we understand it becomes less and less about us. Less and less about us. We don't need our names written on the backs of pews. We don't need our names written in the glass that everybody gets to look at for a hundred years. We don't need our buildings named after us. We don't need that kind of recognition because that stays here and will burn up one day. It will all come to a crashing halt. The whole earth will be destroyed and a new one created. No, what we make eternal is what will be eternal. And that makes sense. That should make sense to every single one of us. You know, we want to live in immortality. We just <clears throat> are living in the wrong place and leaving it in the wrong place. So separation ultimately deals with this need directly by embracing the truth and the reality that our reward comes from God in heaven. Jesus talked about this often. And separation is essential to freedom when it comes to servanthood because the moment we begin to serve and we think, what is in it for me, then in, it is being spoiled right from the beginning. It's being spoiled. It's being, it, there's a mixture of what I'm doing and what God is doing through me. And that's, that's really the ticket. That, that probably was the biggest eye-opening experience for me when I first gave my life to Christ. When I began to read and Jesus said, look, you know, this is no longer about you. And Jesus even exemplified that. He said, look, I am one with God. I am God. But I'm not embracing that. I'm coming as a humble servant, laying my life down. So he's not asking us to do something that he did not do. 
but it was a joy set before him. The eternal, and then what did the Father do? The Father put everything under his feet. But again, not in this world. Of course, that's coming, but in heaven. A servant can't be focused on the what is in it for me attitude. That thinking destroys the very spirit of servanthood. Our reward comes from God. And he, of course, reminds us why. Because there are those times when you're serving, you're giving, you're giving and you're serving, and there is no immediate reward. There is no, you know, angel show up and say, hey, great job, slap you on the back, keep going. Matter of fact, I wish that would happen from time to time. Doesn't. Now, there is the still small voice. There's the Holy Spirit will come aside beside us and speak to our heart and say, it's, everything's fine, keep going, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. But it can be a very tough thing to serve, to be just a servant. I mean, think of it in this world. Who's clamoring? Who's signing up to become a servant? Not very many people. What are you going to college for? I'm going to be a servant. Really? Have you met anybody like that? No. Although I did, I was, was, I heard on a radio program once of uh, becoming a butler. Apparently, butlering is a profession. I didn't know that. You can actually go to college and become a butler. I thought, wow, that's I don't know if there's any money in it, but oh well. <clears throat> but nobody's signing up to be a servant. Nobody wants to be a servant. But I tell you, that is exactly what we're called to be, servants. Life laid down, serving him. The problem for Christians is we begin to get this sense that because we're filled up with purpose, because we've got these gifts that you know, we're going to talk about in the next series coming up in December, we get all these wonderful things and oftentimes, because we did not come from privilege, because of, you know, come from any pedigree, or that we didn't come from anything like that, the idea that we can do all things in Christ who strengthens me gives me this incredible sense of destiny. It gives me, this, gives me power, this personal power. And I see it in Christians all the time. It's this fire in their eyes. And sometimes, when it, whether it be just in some of the things that they're doing, the confidence it exudes out of their life, and it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful thing, except this is not about you and me. It's not. When we get to heaven, we're all going to know it was always about him. And they, they wrote the hymn about throwing our crowns on the glassy sea. It's like, it's like the, the home run hitting in the, in, in, uh, the away team hits the home run in the, the home field. They start yelling, throw it back. Throw it back. In heaven, we're going to throw it back. Why? Because we're going to know we didn't earn it. We know we don't deserve it. All about him. And that will become so painfully, tearfully true when we see it, when we get there. And we've got our little black book full of all the wonderful things that we did compared to what we what he did, I can almost visualize. We got our big book of all the wonderful things we did on this earth, and we just can't wait to tell the Father about it. And yet we see him, and we're just like, <laughs> toss that thing aside. No one beats what he did. No one touches the servanthood of Jesus and how he laid down. No greater love has man, anyone ever showed, than to lay down his life. For the people that he was looking at, and for the people that were yet to come. Our reward comes from God. Our reward comes from God. 
and it's not necessarily going to come here. And the problem is, that's where that is where the brokenness and the submission comes in because we're broken to God, we're submitted to God, but in separation, we begin to understand that we can't be demanding of people anymore. Can't demand anything from people. Our culture is broken, severely broken, because it is infested with selfishness. It's infested. It's a virus. It's ugly. It's cancerous. We see it on the news. We see it celebrated in entertainment. It's infested. It is, it, nothing could be in our culture more diametrically opposed to what the gospel presents and is encouraging you and I to be and to do. I'm sorry. just isn't. And if you read enough of the Bible, you'll see it. However, we should add a boy and add a girl, one another, and show our appreciation and cheer each other on. This helps in the journey, doesn't it? Because once we all know what we're called to be and to do, we're called to this, you know, and this, I tell you what, I mean, going over these notes, I was going to go, well, we're not going to have a lot of cheering and shouting on this Sunday, but we're called to die. We're called to die. That the old man inside us, every step we take forward, forward is, is dying. My selfishness is dying. My need for acclamation, my need for celebration is dying. <laughs> Interesting. But, as I said, as believers, every once in a while, we need, to, we need to pull up to one another and say, look, this is a battle, isn't it? I understand your battle. I see that you're, man, you made a tough choice there, didn't you? You decided that you were going to handle your finances this way. And I tell you sometimes, when I see the testimonies come forward of people that have made kingdom choices that have cost them, oh man, I just shake my head and say, you're a hero to me. Because it's not, it's not on CNN. Nobody's going to write a book about it. But I see the choice you made. God sees the choice you made. I know deep inside there's going to be a reward. There's going to be an outpouring of God's grace upon that. There's going to be a favor. Matter of fact, there's a pathway that opens through the confusion, and God says this way. It's, it's powerful. It's powerful stuff. We need to cheer each other on on those choices. We don't need to cheer each other on when it comes to choices that are bad, you know, that were not kingdom choices. I see Christians doing that too celebrating certain things. Now, I won't go into all those because that's, that's not productive, but you, you, you'll understand what I mean. Is when people are walking in the flesh, sometimes Christians are celebrating that. That's not good. But when they make a good choice, when they make a sacrificial choice, when they lay down their life and they come and they, they serve, man, I, I mean, sometimes when I go and I look in the nursery, I, t- I take those times to poke my head in there and just say, that is awesome. Thank you. The worship team, man, the, the hours that they put in preparing such excellent worship for us. Man, wasn't that just awesome this morning? Man, it was so deep, rich. They give it to us as a blessing. Preparation, my friends, is understanding this is not about me. It's about him. Secondly, the place. Has to begin in the heart, of course. Has to begin in the heart. As the other two steps, it's all about the heart. Being separated unto God in our passions and our plans. Being separated unto God. 
sometimes you have to visualize it. You have to see yourself literally stepping away from what everybody else is doing. And you know what? That now, for some of you, if you're, if you're an introvert, you're just like, yeah, man, that comes easy, easy to me. I like the quiet times. I like being away from people. And that's not always good because eventually God's going to call you back in to be in the servant, and that means you've got to serve people. Okay? But if you're an extrovert and you're a person who loves you know, to talk about yourself, you like to celebrate yourself, you, you, you know that that's just a part of who you are, wow, it's, it can be a painful thing to separate away, especially when you're enjoying the favor of, of things that are going on in the world. It's drawing us in. It's calling us to the parties. The young man was just telling me recently, somebody approached him and said, hey, man, you know, tonight we're going to have a party out, you know, so-and-so. We've got a barn out in the middle of nowhere, and we come out there. And he's like, well, what are you guys going to be doing? He goes, well, man, we're going to have girls. We're going to have, he's like, enough. I don't want to hear any more. The celebration that's going on, going in the wrong direction, man, it's a painful thing sometimes to tell people no. Because we worry about what are they going to think about us? They're going to think that we're prudes. We're going to think that we're, we don't want to be, we don't like people, that we don't like to be a part. I mean, sometimes, and then sometimes we begin to, uh, we can, uh, you know, justify it. Mm. Well, somebody's got to be a light there. Just ends up with a Bud Light in your hand, not, you know, there's a different light going on there. But anyway, and you say, well, David, are you talking about us pulling away from people altogether for a time? Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes you've got to do that. Because you don't understand who you are and what you're called to be. And sometimes you just got to stand back and get away. My own testimony was exactly that. I remember, I mean, I was fully engaged in the world. I was doing everything as a young man. And, and when I gave my life to Christ, you know, there was a season where God just said, David, I want you to pull away. You need to pull away. Because I need to get that Egypt out of you. I've got to give. And that's exactly why God took his people out into the de- desert for 40 years. Because he wanted to teach them. He wanted them to value the presence of God. He wanted them to recognize the presence of God. He wanted to be able to teach them. Like children... Just what purity, holiness. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the law. He prepared them. No other time in history of God, God ever done that with the people. Like that. Now he does it with you and me. But we have to pull away for a season. It begins inside our heart. Now, it, you know, you can't just do it physically. It has to start in your, in your mind. It has to start inside your heart. You draw away. Now you say, well, does that mean I have to go off on, on a mountain for a couple of months? No. You still got to go to work. You still got to be around people. So how do I separate myself? It's in here. I start pulling away from the things that I know is causing me to stumble. I'm pulling away from the things that of this world that I know are causing moral confusion inside me. I'm pulling away to separate myself unto him so I can hear his voice clearly. Mm. Sometimes it takes fasting. In times of extended prayer, which is why devotions are so important every single day. Daniel, you know the story of Daniel. Daniel was such an example of this. Daniel was captured. He was part of those that were taken to Babylon, and he was forced to become, you know, another people. 
to give away his whole, I mean, to leave behind his whole uh, identity. And yet Daniel fought it. He fought it and was successful. God came to his rescue. And it's interesting. This is probably the thing that we need to catch because we fear that if we pull away from the world, then we don't get what the world gets and that Christians just never get the kind of rewards and things. Yeah, my, what am I giving up? I mean, you know, the kind of riches and the kind of favor and the kind of you know, open doors in the business community, the medical community, the any kind of community. You know, if you read Daniel's life, you'll see that the very things we're fearful that we won't receive, he got it all. He became the second most powerful person in all of Babylon, and yet he fought it tooth and nail to the point where they threw him in a, in a, in a lion's den, where they threw him in, in, in places where they were going to torment him, right? But what did God do? God came to his aid, and God elevated him. When we separate, this is the point, when we separate ourselves unto God, beginning inside our heart, and sometimes having to make some physical choices of who we be, who we're with, who we hang out with, what we watch, what we, we, we let into our lives, God is going to be right there to bless and to speak and give us open doors to, to meet us. Jesus himself often went to lonely places to pray. Here he was. Son of God, and it makes sense. I mean, we'd say, well, of course, you know, Jesus would do that. But he did that as an example as well to teach us. You know, sometimes you just need to step away from it all. Get your head right. See what's going on. What, how much of the world has crept back into your thinking? Where are you fighting against God? And, and, and I think maybe I need to get a little more uh, detailed here because I think sometimes we can get a little religious, and we bypass, and we try to fool one another. But let's, let's, get, let's get down and dirty here, just for a moment, in our moral life, okay? Why do we celebrate immorality? Why do we do that? When Paul clearly says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and when we connect ourselves whether it be through a prostitute, as he was particularly addressing, or when we celebrate sexual immorality and all of its babies, not literal babies, but I'm talking about all of its offshoot, why, why do we celebrate that? Why do we embrace it, Christians? When God is saying that is going to, that's going to dull your senses, that is going to cause you, you're, you're, man, you're not only, you're not, you're not separated, man, you're living within it. That is an area where we need to pull back from. And God help us. God help us. And our money, most certainly our money, and our thinking when it comes to relationships, when it comes to the choices that we make. I've already touched on the whole, that part of it in the relationship series. You need to go back and review that. Someone asked me, well, why, would, why did you teach on that? It wasn't just so that we'd make better friends. It's so that we'd have really, really good friends. Because depending on who you are, friends can lead us. They can influence us. They influence our thinking. They influence our directions. And especially if there's somebody that we choose to spend the rest of our life with, it's kind of critical that we do this together, that we do it. See, our habitation is played out in our positions. Who are you? Where has God placed you? Can it be changed? Can it be adjusted? Embrace your place and serve God. 
you know, sometimes we look right now in, the, in, the, in, in, our, in our nation in particular is that there is this, this, all this talk about social position. We talk about economic favor. We talk about all of these different things. And yet nobody stops to say, God, what do you think about this? What are, are we stopping and saying, God, are there things that I can change do I embrace the things that I can't change? And that's the wisdom, my friends. If God has placed you in a certain place, you're, you're called to embrace it until he changes it. You embrace it. Where you work, the family you were born into, can you change the family you were born into? Can I change my four other brothers and two other sisters? Can I change them? Can I, I, you know, I mean, I'm, as a kid, I'd be like, Lord, can I do a trade-in here? You know, I can't can't do that. They're they're unchangeable. There's things about our life that we cannot change. Where we were born, who we were born to be, what the the, the privileges and lack thereof we have, and we can fight that. We can burn things down. We can do all that. But what does it get us? Nothing. But more bitterness, more conflict, less of Jesus. No, we come to God and say, God, you made me. You placed me where I am. I sure would have loved to have been born in a mansion and driving a Maserati right now, but I am not. Where I was born, the experiences that I have, you don't think there's a day that doesn't go by when I look back and say, you know, I wish that really didn't happen. I'm sure you feel the the same way, even right now in your life. But separating ourselves unto God, we approach the challenges of our life. We approach the unchangeable things of our life, not from the perspective of trying to change it through violence and force, but coming to God to say, God, what do you want to do inside me to bring glory to your name? Do you not know that when you get there, because you have done that, when you get to heaven and you've laid it down like that, that there'll be more glory there than you've ever gotten here? And what does it really matter when it, you, you got 75, 80, 90 years, maybe 100, if, if, if you're into that. I don't want to live to 100. Lord, help me. <laughs> I mean, heaven's a great place, right? No, man, it is all about what we store up there. Christians, that is biblical. Christians, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Heaven is what it's all about. And you're going, you're only here. (laughs) You're only here because God wants you to be here, to be salt, to be light, to change the world, to be separated unto him, to know that you're, you're only, man, you're foreigners, you're aliens in this land. You may already feel like that, but you're even more so when it comes to the kingdom of God. And we're on loan from God, that's it. So the place, we have to embrace that place where God, we have to let separation in. We have to see ourselves as, you know, as, as alien to what is going on. To the degree that you feel that the world and what's going on around you is alien to your thoughts, your values, your, your choices, the things that you do, what you're engaged in, the more you feel that that is alien, the more you're separated unto God. Pure, simple. Finally, the purpose. I've already gotten into some of this, but 
go through the notes. To learn to stand alone. Daniel had to learn to stand alone. Every Christian needs to learn to be able to do that at one point in their life. You need to feel that you're the only one. And sometimes we do. I know I, I experienced that quite a bit. Well, I still do. It's amazing. It is amazing. Whether it be that I get involved in um, you know, sports with my children. Um, well, I, I mean, I'll mention this one time. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's not. But I mean, here I was. I, Tate was just a little guy, and, and I couldn't come back to the next sport. Uh, I'm going to try to keep this as, as general as possible so you don't figure out who I'm talking about. But we were involved in a sport, and we were coming back, and, and I was going to have to leave Tate with some families because I had to go do something. We had something going on at the church. And I was like, look, I, you know, I, I can't. Is anybody can help me there? And his family rose up, and they were just like, yeah, yeah, we'd love to help you, people you don't know. And they just said, yeah, we're going to go out to lunch, and we're going to go to Hooters, and, and uh, Tate's going to just have a great time. And I was just like, no. <laughs> no, that ain't going to happen. And they said, well, you know, he's got to see these things someday, not today. All right? I mean, I didn't want to be obnoxious and start tearing things up, right? That would have been stupid. But I just grabbed my boy by the hand and said, no. And from thereafter, I was considered a prude, a parent who's controlling his kids, somebody who's just don't, don't know how to get along and, and flow with the world. You know what? I, I suffered for that a little bit. But you know what? I don't mind it. See, my boy's up there playing drums for you, loves Jesus. And that is because we all have to stand alone from time to time. Sometimes we have to stand alone against the world. And I haven't always done it well, and I'm sure you haven't either. But you know what? To be separated unto God, sometimes it means... Physically, the choices we make makes us stand alone among our peers. Sometimes among your family. To, stand, to learn to stand with God when it gets rough is what we're really talking about. When it, when it, it's to stand, to say, like Joshua said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's, that's a choice I'm making. That's being separated unto God. What I don't mean is those who separate because of pride, unforgiveness, and disagreement. Because don't, don't bite into that lie either. Because sometimes you can say, well, I'm just, and people use that kind of language. Well, I just feel like the Lord is calling me to go seek him by myself for a while. No, you begin to dig inside. No, you just didn't, you just didn't like that nobody really praised your pie when you made it at the, the family cookout. No, that's what we're talking about. Or that you didn't get a call when you got sick. Or that somebody didn't say hello to you when you walked in the door. Or something like that. And, and you know, it, sometimes there's genuine, uh, you know, egregious situations that can happen. And we've got to deal with those. And we've got to come together. And we've got to forgive. And we've got to move on. We've got to suggest change. We are a voluntary organization, after all. And we work together to improve who we are and what we do. So I'm not talking about that. Again, this assumes that you've taken the first steps, and that is brokenness and submission. We keep walking in brokenness and submission and separation. Sometimes we have to go back through that again. Lord, I need to be broken again. I need to break. My will is fighting you in this. 
And I feel it acutely going on. I'm fighting you. And God just says, you know, fall on me. Break and I will redo you. I will work inside you, causing you to will and, and do of my good pleasure. And in the end, you'll thank me. You know, sometimes, again, as I said, look, if we separate ourselves because of sin or because of self-pity, then all we are is just alone. And that's not a nice place to be. Dan, Daniel didn't always know the purpose of his suffering. And, but greatness was eventually thrust upon him. Again, it wasn't even something he was seeking. Isn't that something? I mean, he didn't come into the whole journey thinking, you know, look, if I just do all these things the way God has done it, then I'll be the second most important person in the land. No. Daniel didn't know that. He had no clue that was going to be a part of his destiny. He only had one vision, and that was, I am God's man. And I'm going to be. If that means I die in a, den, in, in a lion's den, so be it. If that means I am get burned up in the fiery furnace, so be it. If that means that I suffer with my people, so be it. But God said, nope, it was for this end that I've called you. Daniel was a type of Christ, went before. And once he was put in position, he was able to protect his people. Eventually, recognition was not sought after, but recognition did, did eventually come. Separation teaches us to completely trust God in all situations. As we will see next week, it doesn't mean that we separate from our Christian family. On the contrary, it is separating ourselves to God so that we can be more available to them. And that's the beauty of this. The more we separate ourselves unto God, the more we can truly love and cover and serve one another. And that's, you know, I mean, I think if we were really honest with ourselves, I mean, as a church, as a church as a whole, not just ours in particular, is the church as loving as it could be? Are we serving one another as much as we could be? No, we've got a long way to go. We've got a lot more to learn. And I believe it's through this separating ourselves unto God that really creates the kind of heart position that will allow us to be able to give ourselves without anything expecting anything return. And we know that's how love works, especially the marital relationship. You know, if your heart is to serve the other one with and not expecting anything in return, and you both think that way, you always meet in the middle. You always meet in the middle. Now, not, a, you know, not all marriages work that. Sometimes it's a season where it shifts back and forth, but it's always the hope, isn't it? So finally, how do we separate ourselves into God? Just some quick thoughts. Choose to follow God in all things, in all things of your life. Think of everything. I mean, write it all down. What, who are you? What are you called to do? Where has God placed you? What are your hopes, dreams, future? You know, you're married, you're not married, you hope to be married. I mean, what's, what, what is it all? Write it all down. And then right above it, just say, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things that you've listed will be added unto you. Pure and simple. Man, do I ever hammer on that as much as I, as I do as a, as a pastor, only because it's been my personal experience, only because I know this is so so critical for us to realize some of the things that God wants to do in us, that if we'll seek first, now, I see it in politics, that's a truth bomb, just let it sit, boom, I'm going off in the outside of your heart, all right, there you go, even in politics, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you, do you think a nation that serves God will experience great wealth and blessing and favor if it seeks God first, you better say amen to that, because it's true. 
Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, is what the Bible says. How much more so to us individually? Number two, separate yourself unto God in your heart. Colossians 3.1, it says, you know, set your heart on things above. That means your passions. That means your, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about ways that you can bypass God? Or are you thinking about ways that you can honor God? If you set your heart on things above, then the things of the world, as the song goes, become dim. They become less important. But the things we value, you can, and you think, well, man, can we change that? Oh, my gosh. What are you talking about? We're Americans. All we have to do is get a magazine in the mail and our passions change. Just that fast. Am I right? You got your heart set on a gun or a pair of shoes or a nice jacket or a car, and we, we just know what we want until we see the, the, you know, the 8 by 10 color glossy of something else. And we're all over it. So don't tell me that you can't separate yourself unto God and to God begin to get into your passions and your, your passions now become eternal passions. Eternal passions. And what I'm trying to appeal to you is those are much better because they last forever. Third, choose to be salt and light, called to live in the world, but not of it. You're separated. You're separated. But guess what? You've got to stay. We all have to stay. And Jesus said, just be salt and light. Shine, effect. Change the chemical makeup in the spirit everywhere you go. If you're a Christian and you're separated to God, unto God, you will do that. You will change it. I remember that. The moment I would walk into the room, and once the guys, all my buddies, and, and, and even now, teams, they, you know, when, I mean, it wasn't just because I was a pastor. It was because they knew what we stood for. They knew what we believed. They knew what we walked in. The moment in, they might even start to see, hear him say, shh, shh, shh. He's here now. And, you know, I don't always like that. But, you know, on the other hand, that means salt and light has just showed up showed up. Uh, and you can find that in Matthew 5.13. Refuse the path of self-exaltation, but seek, seek intimacy with God. Philippians 2.6, oh my gosh, you know, here's Jesus who's showing us this, you know, textbook. Here he is, God, he says he does not embrace it, chose the path of a, path of a servant, something not to be in, embraced. He refused that path of self-exaltation. I'm telling you, folks, whew, that's hard. But it's got tremendous reward. Number five, serve God where he places you with gratitude and expectation. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, look, it's going to be through the small things that I give you first that qualify you for the greater things. It is the heart of man to say, I want the great thing first, and then I'll do the, the little thing. If I, just would, if I just became a millionaire, I could really do a lot of things for God. No. No, no. Start doing a lot of little things for God, and then watch God bless you and give you more. Boy, is that so biblical. Faithful servant gives you more. Faithful servant gives you more. Makes sense, doesn't it? And then finally, make the most of every opportunity that God gives you, Ephesians 5.16. You know what? God is going to give us opportunities because the more we separate ourselves unto him, the more we're qualified to be called into the game. I mean, it's very much like sports. If you got the talent, you got the skill, the coaches would be, you know, crazy not to put you in. And the more we grow in character, the more we grow in separation, the more we are very much like a Gideon 
who's been pulled out of the hole and set apart for God, then God says, you're my man, you're my woman, you're the one who I've called to change this situation. You want greatness? Start with nothing. That's Bible. Want to be awesome? Be nothing. You want to have great fruit? And give it away. <laughs> this is the kingdom of the upside down. By separating, we remember who we're serving. By separating, we remember that we're not of this world. By separating, we, we see people as God sees them, died for, redeemable. When we're separated unto God, we're able to serve him with compassion, even for no other reason than to be like him. We can be different peacefully. No need to offend or kill anyone to make a point. By separating, we consecrate our heart to God. Jesus made it pretty clear that the kingdom of God was not meat or drink, but it was righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not about the things we acquire. It's not about the positions we gain. It's about growing in favor with God. It's being peacemakers. It's walking in peace. It's what Jesus taught. It's what he lived. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. bow our heads, close our eyes this morning. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're here in this room today. And Lord, I just really sense you're, you're, that truth is out there. It's, it's floating in the air. It's been spoken. And Lord, when truth is spoken, God, it, it, it immediately has an effect on the heart. Jesus said that truth can be or Paul was describing this, and I'm sure Jesus, he got it from you. But Lord, it's described that truth is like a fragrance. It's e e ejected into the air. To want to the hungry heart, it's a fragrance that smells wonderful. It's received. It brings peace. It brings faith. To the, to the hardened heart, must run from it. It's like a skunk. Don't like it. Lord, wherever our hearts are today, Lord, if, it's, if, it, if, if it hurts, if it smells, and, and it's, it doesn't bring a sense of pleasantness, God, I pray right now, in those areas of our heart, would you come and change it? Lord, we want to be broken. We want to be submitted to you. And Lord, we want to be separated unto you for your purposes, for your ways. God, I pray, God, I pray that you'd help everyone in this room this morning that to walk in that kind of separation, to pull away. Lord, we know. We know right now, Holy Spirit, what you are pointing at. You're saying that's an area of separation that needs to come. We need to pull away from that. It might be a relationship. It might be an activity. It might be a way of thinking, a philosophy. There might be things that you're reading that are contrary to the kingdom of God, and yet you continue to feed that, that contradiction. And God says, stop eating that. 
You keep feeding that, it builds selfishness. It builds narcissism. It builds pride and arrogance. The Lord says, draw away. Lord, the major, one of the biggest things we can do, Lord, is just help us to be in your word. Let it be like that sword that cuts, <laughs> divides between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerns our heart. You come and do the separating for us, would you, Lord? Would you show us? Would you lead us? And in so doing, God, that we'd be a, a greater, more useful servant in your hand for your glory forever. That when we get home, we see that, you, you just look at us with that look, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we want, Lord. For some of us, God, that needs to begin today. For some of us, God, we just need to be encouraged to keep going and not give up. So, Lord, we thank you for that. While every head is bowed and eye closed, if you're in this room today and you're not for certain that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven, you can know, and I want to pray for you. If you want to give your life to Christ right now, just raise your hand up. No one looking around. We had... We had, a, we had uh, Several children give their life to Christ last weekend. It was awesome. Anyone here in this room? Today's your day. Amen. Lord, for all of us here who know you, walk with you, Lord, would you continue to lead us through your love and your mercy and your grace? Lord, you, you don't force this upon us. And I hope no one felt, Lord, in this room that that was my heart at all. Lord, my passion is to see your people walking in greater fruitfulness, greater joy, greater peace, a sense of righteousness, knowing that they're made right in God and walk with full fellowship with God. That's my heart. And so may we leave today, God, with that confidence. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Help us to be separated unto you. Continue to speak to us in these days so we can stay on the Calvary Road become like you. In Jesus' name, amen.